Blog Talk realized was that 
I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and had to move on to do my spiritual work. And so I ended up divorcing, moving to Austin, which is about 200 miles away, and um, taking my children with me and enrolling in massage school because the phone book kept falling open repeatedly. Every time I got near a phone book, it would fall open to massage schools. And there were several other points of guidance that I got. Ultimately, I was glad I went to massage school, but in the beginning it was like, oh, no, I don't want to touch people. Uh, And I, I had a graduate degree already. I could have been teaching art in college, but guidance said massage school. So I did it and ultimately was very glad. I found out many years later that that's a pretty common career path for people who are going to become spiritual healers. You start in massage school. And ultimately, as time moved on and I learned more and my path grew, I realized that this was perfect for me. And then the next time, in following spiritual guidance, the next thing that happened was about 14 years later, I had moved back to Houston, and I was guided to open a metaphysical bookstore and shop in initially in the living room of my little house in the Galleria area. And Houston's funny. There's no zoning in many areas of Houston, so this was okay for me to do. So I did that, and I was terrified. I did not want to do it. It felt like my privacy was being compromised to have it in the living room of the house. And so we, I lived, my son was with me at the time, one of my sons. We lived in the back part of the house, and it was not open to the public. And then the living room was, living room, dining room area was open. And ultimately it turned out to be an absolutely amazing thing leading to other things that I could not possibly have um, anticipated in the beginning. And so how does it feel when you're getting spiritual guidance? Well, the spirit talks to us via the body. The ego talks to us in our head. Now, the ego or personality is something very necessary. We have to develop that as children in order to survive because we can't just come from spirit because if we did, if we never developed a personality, there'd be nothing to protect us and we wouldn't survive very long. You know what happens when little kids aren't watched. They'll just do anything, go anywhere. And the physical form won't survive. And so that is what personality or ego was created to do is protect the physical form. And then when you reach a certain age, you're ready to begin to train it to take a back seat. And it has to be healthy first. If you need therapy, then you need therapy to get your ego healthy enough that it will step aside and let spirit run things. Ego is created to um, do things like keep you from running out in the street and also to do the mundane tasks like balance the checkbook, change diapers, wash dishes, um, get your day organized. But the big decisions like who do I marry or do I marry, do I join a convent, do I uh, do this 
as a career or I do do I do that as a career? Those are soul decisions. Do I have children? Whom do I marry? Those are all soul level decisions and should be made by the spirit or the soul with guidance. And so it's been my experience that spiritual growth is a constant struggle between those two. Between figuring out when you're listening to ego and when you're listening to your soul, your spirit, your higher self, your guides, that sort of thing. And it's never ending until you become enlightened, I suppose. And and then maybe it still goes on to a certain extent because people do have personalities even after they reach enlightenment. So the third time that I was pushed outside my comfort zone was March of 2007. And to give a little background for that, one day when I was working on a client in my treatment room, when my shop was um, in a little house that was not a house I was living in, but a little house in the Heights in Houston, I was working on a client back in the treatment room, and the normal, ordinary light beings who were in the room were there, of course. Um, They were always about the same size as I, um, maybe a little taller because I'm on the average height, but they were usually sort of a golden yellow or white color, and they would be in the treatment room working on the, the client. Some of them were guides that belonged to the, or light beings that came along with the client, some were mine. But this particular day, and I think it was 1999 or 2000, I don't really remember exactly when it was, five new beings showed up that were utterly and totally different than any other light beings who'd ever appeared in the treatment room. And they were... um, like tall, skinny beams of blue-gray light that faded to white at the top. And they were so tall that they were not even in the room. They extended way up past the roof. And this was an old house, very old, and it had 10-foot ceilings, and they were way out past the roof. And I I just observed them. I thought, gosh, I wonder what that is. And as soon as I wondered what that was, they said their name. The Ankanash. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Kept right on working with my client, partly doing massage, partly doing Reiki, partly uh, putting stones on the chakras and doing some shamanic techniques. In other words, a blended healing session. And these light beings ordered themselves around the table, two on either side and one at the foot. If I were at the head, and uh, if I moved to the side, well, then they would adjust themselves again so that there would be one at the foot of the table, one at the head of the table, and two on either side, including me. And I got the sense that they were doing something that I couldn't perceive and that they were very safe and that this was a really good thing. But I didn't have any excitement or trepidation or anything. Uh, I didn't have positive or negative feelings. In other words, it was just very peaceful, very um, serene sense that I got from them. And then 
when I finished my session, they were gone, just like light beings always leave when the session is over. And then periodically, again and again, they would come into the room as I was working on clients, and they would begin to to suggest things I should do with the stones, different uses for the stones, um, different sounds when I would use the Tibetan bowls on clients, different patterns to tone uh, the bowls, the sounds on the different and different places to put the bowls. And I listened to them and followed instructions and had wonderful healing experiences for my clients. And I asked several times again and again, now what was your name? And they would tell me, and of course I'm in an altered state, and I think I'm going to remember it. It's kind of like you think you're going to remember the dream, but if you don't write it down immediately, you won't, or you'll only remember pieces of it. So finally one day, after trying to remember the name after the session was over, unsuccessfully trying to remember the name, I ultimately put a piece of paper and a pen on the little table where the stones were capped and the you know, various healing tools. And by stones, I mean like lapis and amethyst and things like that. I had several stones for each chakra. I put a piece of paper and a pen there and said, I'm going to write it down because I'm not remembering it. So I did. I wrote it down. And when I did, they then continued via explanation to say, if you will go get a book on the Kabbalah, you will see which three letters of the Kabbalah our name comes from. You will recognize them. And I'd never even thought about the Kabbalah. I'd heard about it. Never even given it any thought at all. And so after that session was over, I had a little break. I ran down to the bookstore. There's a metaphysical bookstore not too far away. I got a book on the Kabbalah, flipped through it, and I found the three letters that their name came from. And um, I recognized them immediately. And the letters meant, and there are very many, many meanings for every letter in the Kabbalah, and I'm not trying to um, minimize those meanings. But at the time, what jumped out at me was one of the letters meant I, as in eyeball. One of them meant palm of hand, and one of them meant flame, and it also had a translation that meant diagnosis or final, um, you know, diagnose and fix. So I thought, oh my God, that's what Reiki is. Reiki is a flame or light that comes out of the palm of your hand and figures out what's wrong and fixes it. Now, why do I say, why does the eye and the palm of the hand seem significant? If you look at Tibetan Tonka paintings, you will see that in the palms of the hands and the feet, there are eyes. And shamanically, we're trained that there are eyes in the palms of your hands and you can put them on people and see inside the body for the purpose of healing. So I was kind of blown away back that, by that because I'd never looked at a, a book on the Kabbalah, and here were these three letters. Now, they were um, not a direct translation from those letters. They are pronounced slightly. The words 
pronounced slightly differently, but they it evolved as language will. It evolved from these three letters. And I was pretty blown away. And these guys continued to come in and work with me for a couple of years and help me in my healing sessions. And then when I discovered the body talk system, um, they said that they would step aside for a while so that I could learn this system. And I think it was so I could learn it without distraction. And so I did. I threw myself into the body talk system in a very um, gung-ho kind of way. It was. Uh, I was very excited about it. It was really powerful. And I learned a lot. And about five to five and a half years later, these light beings showed up again. One morning in mid-March of 2007, they show up in my living room as I'm sitting in my meditative chair and my chair where I do meditation, drinking my green tea. They show up and I'm going, oh my goodness, I'd almost forgotten about you. I was wondering where you were. And... They said, well, we told you we'd be gone for a certain period of time. They come back, and they said, we're we're ready to start teaching you. And I went, oh, okay. And they start telling me things. And I'm going, oh, that's interesting. Hmm, oh, yeah, very interesting. Finally, one of them says, write it down, Lois. And I'm going, oh, okay. I didn't know it was formal instruction. I thought we were just having a talk. And I went and got a book um, with no lines in it, one of those actually sketchbook and I started taking notes and over about a month period between mid-March and mid-April of 2009 they gave me um, a lot of information including some initiatory symbols and uh, they said we want to bring a form of energy medicine to the planet that will help people with ascension and um I thought, well, you know, I'm not sure I want to do this. This is kind of scary. But I can write all this stuff down and make up my mind later. So as I began to write down more and more things, I became more and more excited. And I thought, wow, this is cool stuff. And they gave me extremely difficult to draw um, sacred geometry symbols, which I did with... I, they were all enclosed inside a sphere. I had to draw them two-dimensionally. And it was very complicated, but they guided me the whole way. And I did it without a grid behind it. I didn't have, um, I didn't use graph paper, which as it turns out later, it's much easier to do this kind of thing with graph paper. Um, and it's easier to actually see the symbol. And graph paper will keep you in whole brain, apparently. Um, so I followed guidance again and began initiating people at exactly the date they told me to, which was August 15, 2007. And they told me I'd have 100 initiates before a year was up, and I went, oh, yeah, right. I had 100 initiates by the time 10 months had passed, and they were on four different continents. And that number has continued to grow, and now there are instructors. And if you want to learn more about this, there is a website where you can go. It's 
Edina, E-D-I-N-A, HealingTemple.com. And that's the name of this. They also gave me the name of the healing, the energy medicine. It's Edina, capital E, capital D, capital I, capital N, capital A. That is an acronym, Edina Energy Medicine. Edina is an acronym for Energy Dynamics for the Integration of Natural Attributes. Ascension is a natural attribute. Joy, perfect health, peace, those are all natural human attributes. And, and so when we call these guys, the, when we call the Ankanash into the healing room to work with us, they're working in dimensions 4 through 12 while we're doing whatever it is we do in the three dimensions. And I've written a little bit more about that whole process in a blog, and that's also on the homepage of the radio station, Lois J. Wetzel Show. And um, so if you're interested in that, those are places where you can go to learn more. You can also go to my website to see what all I do, and it is my primary website is hot pinklotus.com and um, I do healing work in person and at a distance and I'd love to work with you if you're interested I also do um, past life readings from the Akashic Records and on that website Hot Pink Lotus there's an articles page that will tell you about some of my experiences with past life readings and um also how I discovered the body talk system, which is pretty interesting. A lot of synchronicity involved there. Or how the body talk system came to my attention. I didn't invent the body talk system. John Veltime did that. Um, there's several interesting articles. And there's information about what all I do, and I'd love to hear from you. I also do healing work at a distance. Um, there are links to on the links page to people that I think are interesting, like Stuart Wilde and so on. And um, so the last time, or the most recent time, that I had a spiritual calling was to do this radio show. And uh, again, like a person who enjoys being in the background and doesn't really want to be uh, out in public, um... It was a stretch to um, not only ner- learn new computer stuff because, you know, never really wanted to use a computer. The universe twisted my arm. <laughs> and ultimately, of course, once again, I was glad I learned how because it's opened all kinds of doors. But that's also kind of a funny story. The universe sent me a, a boyfriend who was a Harvard MBA who'd been working with computers since the mid-60s to teach me how to use a computer. And, um, well, that's a story a little too um, racy for the radio. Uh, But anyway, he did teach me to use a computer and made it fun, gave me great rewards afterwards. Um, And um, so here I am learning to use, uh, and I'm sure there will be rough patches and glitches in these first few shows, and I appreciate your patience. As you uh, give me feedback, you can email me, lois at hotpinklotus.com if you want. And um, so once again, here I am sticking my neck out, wanting to um, 
wanting to be in the background kind of quietly like the uh, like my north node is described uh, the violet that grows or the orchid that grows in the jungle and uh, doesn't need the bright light of day it does better you know in the shade but my uh, my guides are saying otherwise and um, so interestingly enough I, I think part of this desire not to be uh, a public figure comes from having a past life as an opera diva and it's not been that long ago that I was an opera diva and I couldn't walk down the street without people couldn't go down the street to the cafe to have coffee with my friends because people would mob me and I had no privacy and I have so valued my privacy in this lifetime and um, and I'm sure there are ways to preserve that um, but that is that is my main hesitancy and uh, the more I get out there uh, the more that past life those past life memories come up and I think oh and I, I totally understand people who don't want to have their picture taken in public because I mean sometimes don't you want to go out looking grungy I know I do um just because you're in a hurry. So, I think that about wraps it up. I, um, I've enjoyed talking with you this morning. Thank you for listening. And uh, my shows are going to be on Friday mornings. At least that's the plan at this point. And if you want to um, come back and listen again, I would enjoy very much having you here. I believe that as we... Um, as this energy builds, that a morphogenic field will build of listeners and that um, that there will be a shared energy. And if you want to tell people who are like-minded, who are interested in this sort of thing about the show and you have a subject you want me to talk about, especially if you go look at the website and you see something that I have some experience with that you'd like to know more about, you can email me and let me know that you'd like uh, for me to talk about that. And um, so if you want to uh, give me some thoughts, some of your thoughts about this show, if you want to tell me things you would like to hear me talk about, just email me again. That's lois at hotpinklotus.com. My first name is spelled L-O-I-S. So I'm going to say goodbye, and thank you for listening. And I hope to uh, have you join me again soon. Thanks.
Shahi 